Stop holding out hope. They're not going to rebound. But I love this brand. I'm, I'm sorry. You got to move on. It's time. Oh, yes. But I don't want to. Hey, this is Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Join me on the flip as we get into recognizing, understanding, and learning when it's time to switch sides. I'll see you on the flip. Can we just have a little bit of real talk before we get into this? Because I got something to say. Oh my gosh. So, I am currently in the midst of having to quote unquote switch sides. You see, um, in my everyday practical life, there are certain things that I am very attached to. And one of those, now let me just go on and tell you, it has to do with um, undergarments. I'm going to use that word because it's not about that little cute lingerie stuff. But this is about undergarments. This is about part of my daily arsenal to go out and face the world. And I have this favorite. And when I tell you all-time favorite brand of um, upper body, (laughs) upper body undergarments, or what we would call bra, I hope that doesn't send your delicate ears. Um, they, They have been my ride or dies for a few decades now. And I've grown very attached to them. I have recommended them to many people. And the reason why is because I am one of those women of of noticeable attributes when it comes to that. And so it has pained me that that brand has changed, morphed, and switched to the other side of what is now popular. And to me, what is is of an inferior brand, an, um, an inferior experience. And I have voiced my uh, objections to the point where I am actively looking for alternatives, including, but n- not exclusively, making my own. Oh yes, I'm at that point um, because what is being offered today, no ma'am. No, ma'am, it cannot replace because it cannot do for me what my previous brand did. So now that I have taken this this precious time to describe to you the pain I am feeling over having to switch sides, hopefully you will keep that in mind as I go through this and talk to myself and hopefully to you as we unravel these wisdom smacks. All right. So here I am in a large department store at their customer service desk, having me a hissy fit for the gods. Oh, yes. When lo and behold, a person walks up from that department because by by this time, I am not having it. I'm unconsolable. I am not having a temper tantrum, no, because I am not stamping feet. I am making a very good, I believe, uh, argument for why they need to get rid of their buyer for this department. No, I'm not. I wasn't trying to get anybody fired. But what I, I but seriously, when all jokes aside, it was very hard because the um the product and the offering that they have now is just not working. And it's to the point where I'm like, I got to do something because I have to be presentable when I go outside and this is not cutting it. And I have, yes, I, I've tried very many and um 
And I, I went to my car. I sat in my car and I was so flustered. And I had to get beneath that and was like, wisdom, I need you to help me. Why is this such a problem for me? And uh, it didn't happen immediately. I wish I could have told you there was one of those ah, moments, but it wasn't. And I went home and I dug up all of the old product that um, I have from over the years that could still stand a few more washings and a few more things without totally turning to tathers. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to make it with this until I can figure out what to do next. And it was in my uh, investigation and going through and learning um Actually, I went actually back to the drawing board and started learning the construction of a bra, um, why certain things feel uncomfortable once you are past a certain um, size and uh, just the mechanics of it. Because I was actually to the point where I was like, I'm going to have to just make my own and I'm still almost there. But it was during my investigation and learning because, y'all, I, when I tell you I was hotter than old fish grease, struggling to, to keep up. Oh, yes, I was there. I had to finally learn how to let it go, how to let the anger go. And it wasn't until then that instead of me trying to recreate that particular product, that particular brand and being very upset with them that I calmly, yes, I'm going to say that after the fact. Y'all, I got to keep this, I got to keep it where I look decent in some of this story. <laughs> um, not Maybe not so calmly, but <clears throat> in my right mind by now, I learned that there was another company. Now, albeit the other company uh, understands how hard this is and thus they charge appropriately. So I'll just put it this way. Whereas for what I will have to pay for this other company who is meeting this need, uh, I could have gotten three bras from the previous company. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'll say that. So <laughs> there's that. And I was, I was, I was happy that I uh, could find something that was comparable, equivalent, if you will, but it was hard. And uh, it was like I had to go through a death uh, and a mourning of this popular brand that had lasted me. And when I say decades, I'm talking about most of my adult life. Uh, I've used this brand of uh, support and I've never you know, had to worry or anything, like I said, to the point where I actually get strangers who would ask me for referrals of what am I using? Where can they get it? And I've had people that actually have paid for me to go get it for them and ship it because they didn't have that store. And that was even before, you know, that, uh, of course, that was before we had online. But yeah, so it was, it was hard. And it came to me that wisdom was I was needful of wisdom of how to let go and when to switch sides. Um, because I, I really, I wanted to just make them understand. You know, I, I almost feel like a cast member from Dreamgirls, you're going to love me. <laughs> I'm not going nowhere. But they were like, mm -mm, we can't help you. We've charged, we, and to the point, they actually changed their name to have a word modern in it. I was like, who told you that this was old? Who said that you needed to change? 
can. Um, y'all, okay, let me let this go because I'm still talking about it. If you're still here with me, thank you so much. So anyway, let's get into uh, when it's time to change size, you know, when it's time to switch size. So first of all, that's one of the, the big things is we have to learn how to let go. And in learning how to let go, one of the things that I have had to realize is that a lot of times it's not a process, it's a pronouncement. So when I was when I was still going through this, I was still trying to figure out, I mean, I'm to the point where I was looking for the patterns of the, their particular brand so that I could take it to a seamstress and have my bras made, you know, in that style and pattern. And uh, it didn't come until wisdom started smacking me upside the head and was like, instead of you trying to box with the wind, why don't you just change and look for another brand that will supply your needs? And so it really just came in the uh, the snap of a finger to change. And looking back on it, I was like, that is really powerful. Now, am I happy that I'm having to pay in the three figures for one product? Nope, I am not. But the fact still remains that this is what is required for my particular needs and I have to deal with it. And so learning how to let go is, yes, it's a process, but at, there comes a point when, when once you've gone through the process of exhausting all of your options to try to stick with something, you then go to the pronouncement and you just change. Okay, so that's one of the things that is very hard for us, whether it be something as benign as a product that is not uh, in existence anymore, or if it is a relationship or a job or something that no longer serves us, or it's no longer able to support us. And we get very, very ensconched, entangled in our emotions and our logic and our habit when we have done something for a long time. So now I'm going to say in hindsight, looking back at this, and I'm, I'm not even that hind behind it, <laughs> but I will say this, that in hindsight with the quote unquote knowledge I have, I know better, but in the emotion that I have, it's taking some time. And we talk about being able to be adaptable and we talk about being fluid and all of these things that sound really good until we have to do it in a new area. Yes, I am, I think, really good at embracing new thoughts, concepts, and things of curiosity. But when it comes to my habits, baby, oh my gosh, that's why I was in... <laughs> in this customer service area, having myself a little, a little verbal hate dance over, you know, the situation. And it, it accosted me. I was like, how are you going to daily tell people you have to adapt? You have to be willing to uh, change and move whatever is thrown at you. And yet and still, I can't let go of an undergarment. I mean, see, you see how cuckoo that is? Y'all, when I tell you we try to be real each day, we got to be real. And I'm hoping that if you're listening to this and, and, and you don't have this need that I had for this particular product, you know, aka, you know, my guys and stuff who don't have breasts, um, I want you to know that there is something else in your wheelhouse that 
is probably lurking and ready to pounce and strike and try you, (laughs) to try you to within an inch of your sanity. And so here is hopefully some things that will help us with wisdom and with application so that we will always be willing to learn when to switch sides because that's part of the adaptability quotient that is going to be required of most people real soon. So before I move into when to change sides or switch sides, I want to remind us, do a recap of what the adaptability quotient is. So When you look at the terms um, intelligence, emotions, we have gotten to the point where we're able to put them on a scale uh, and be able to track them to see how advanced one is as opposed to another. And when I say one, I'm talking about a person as to another. And so we started out in our learning theories. We started out after um, World War II at least in the in the United States, we had to find a way. Well, you know what? It was before then. Y'all forgive me. Let me go back. It was before the war. We started out with trying to figure out how not to send the best and brightest who would help us to advance intellectually to war. And so they developed standardized tests. Oh, yes. Go look it up. Go look it up, you guys. You got to know what uh, predicates something because there is usually a reason behind most things that become common practice for the masses. So with um, the wars that we were having, they wanted to not send the best and brightest minds with the most potential off to be killed. And so they came up with these standardized tests uh, that were supposed to identify these promising minds. And so they made most children, is if you were going to be in the um, school systems, if you were going to get into the upper echelons of learning, aka our colleges and universities, you needed to take these tests. And that was the, the age, the big age of the IQ. How big is your IQ? We put things on pedestals. Uh, we made societies where you had to have an IQ of one, what is it, 140, 135 or above uh, to even get in. I'm looking at you, Mensa, and some others. Then when we got to the college level, there were certain, well, high school level, excuse me, there were certain uh, societies that you wanted to be a part of the National Honor Society, and then in college, the Rhodes Scholar and some others. I'm just calling out a few, you guys. So don't at me saying you forgot my place. And so we lauded intelligence as this big thing. And then lo and behold, in the 80s, here comes a, um, a teacher, philosopher, if you will, of education who, uh, Uh, showed us that there was more than just intelligence. And then we became aware of the nine, at that particular time, the nine types of learning uh, that that were happening. And it happened in, in 1983 after, now think of this, this is 1983. This is all, this is 
28 years past the Second World War, and we had Howard Gardner, who was a developmental psychologist, who was like, let's start looking past this intelligence because there's something more that we need. And the reason for this was because 30, almost 30 years out from a world war, we're now having space fights, racing, you know, to... uh now, instead of uh, just having big troops on the ground, we're taking it to the air. We're taking it to space where if I want to take you out, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to zap your satellites and get you um, um, and, and, and cloud you in darkness of information. Um, and so we had that and we had the nuclear options and all of those types of things. And thus it required that people had a better understanding of not only how to be smart, but how to be interpersonal. And so Howard Gardner came up with nine types of intelligence. He included uh, what we would call the intellect or the IQ, but he also had things in there like the naturalist, the musical one, uh, the existential one, meaning that they were very life smart, the interpersonal one, they were people smart, the body kinesthetic one, meaning your dancers and your people who use their bodies in ways that were just amazing, the linguistics one, the one who was able to negotiate and have a flair with words, the gift of gab, then we had the intrapersonal one that was the life smart inside yourself. This is the gurus that were helping people to find meaning and within themselves. And then we have the spatial. This is going to be your artist, um, the people who are able to picture, uh, take 2D and turn it into 3D. And of course, we had the logical mathematical. This is the number and reasoning smart, which was traditionally the intellect or the IQ assessment. So he comes in in 1983 and we start embracing this and understanding that there are nine types of knowledge. And of course, there are more now, but this is how we started to evolve from that. And then lo and behold, in the late 90s, we now have another psychologist, psychiatrist, um, who puts out uh, an understanding now of the intelligences and and uh, starts to work with a uh, famous um, um, writer, if if you will, uh, about how to have emotional intelligence. And so we moved from IQ and then we moved to the nine types of intelligences, and then because of how greed had pushed our baby boomers and the world into work, 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 be very, very um, me-oriented. They even called it the the century of uh, self. And uh, we needed to go into past that because that was no longer uh, helping us. So we then moved into, like I said, with uh, Dan, uh, Daniel Kahneman with his um, thinking uh, fast and uh, slow and fast, and then some others. We came into emotional tele- intelligence. So after we moved from emotional t- intelligence in the uh, turn of the century, uh, we got social intelligence. So emotional intelligence was all about me understanding my emotions. And then at the turn of the century in the early 2000s, it became important 
important to understand the emotions of other people. And so we had to now start working on being emotionally mature for ourselves and being emotionally astute to read the room. And now, because we have our intellect, we understand what we're good at naturally. And now that we supposedly, hopefully, are able to mature emotionally for ourselves and socially with uh, our environment and others, we are now at the point where we, we are supposed to take those things in our bag of tricks and move it around so that we can become highly adaptable. And so when I look at it, I was like, oh, I missed the point. I mean, I just, oh, I screwed the pooch on that um, because of me throwing my little hate dads. And so now the IQ, if you will, has shifted from IQ to EQ to SQ, and now it's at AQ. So real quick. IQ, uh, intellect quotient, EQ, emotional quotient, SQ, social emotional quotient. I should call that SEQ. And now AQ, adaptability quotient, meaning that we now are required to move freely, flexibly, and fast through, I should say fastly, but that's not a word, and fast through our navigation of using all these different intellects we have and using all these um, insights into um, emotions that we have, okay? So I know I took y'all a long way around, but this is how uh, I am interacting with um, understanding and getting a feel for moving in to what is required now because that's what wisdom always does wisdom is always calling you forward and giving you the tools and the skills you're going to need because wisdom knows what's going to be required and thus we have to become flexible and know how to learn how to let go and when to spot it now there's a book that i want to mention today that i've talked about before and it's called uh turning pro by stephen pressfield and stephen is a writer and i'm a writer and so i tend to listen to a lot of what stephen says so the book is termed and, and, and written for the writer, but there are a lot of nuggets in it for all of us. And when he talks about becoming a pro, he does not, it's kind of like, okay, you said turn it pro. But when you get into the book, I'm just going to tell you, he doesn't say, uh, this is your process. He was like, it's a pronouncement. When you sit down at your desk, you're a pro. A pro works. A hobbyist looks for all these inspirations and waits for the muse to show up. And I was like, oh my gosh, Stephen, why couldn't you just have told me that? But I mean, there's a lot of supporting things around it. That's really good to help you to make the leap and put put some oomph behind it so that you do it. But that's what it calls for. It calls for being able to switch. When you're not at your desk, you can be whomever you want to be. But when you sit down, if it is nine o'clock, don't matter if the muse is sitting there waiting on you with a cup of coffee in hand. It matters that that desk is there. It's nine o'clock and you're supposed to be working. And so even with what he's saying in Turning Pro, he is talking about having strong adaptability. And then the the next thing is when it's time to uh, switch sides in this adaptability quotient, this part of where we are right now, we have to be able to um, look at things from a different view. It is the weirdest thing to me when I look at it, but when you look at it through the lens of wisdom, it makes all the sense. The weirdest thing to me is, is that how we're set up now, if we have any kind of interaction 
through uh, search engines, through um, applications on our phone, through the news media, the entertainment uh, sector, we have uh, ability to stay within our comfort zones and only get the diet of information and interaction that we choose. We are no longer um, forced, if you will, to go uh, to, to uh, entertain opposing views or things that are not to our liking. When I was a little, little kid, y'all, believe it or not, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but, and I grew up in a rural small town, we had three channels, and those were uh, in America, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And, and oh, I'm sorry, those are the three we counted. And then, of course, we had like the local uh, community channel, and we had PBS. So I'll give it five. But that's what we had. And I remember when I got up a little bit, my grandparents were so excited because they were one of the first ones in their neighborhood to get this thing called satellite. And it was this huge dish that sat in the back of their yard, pointed up to the sky, and they would pay for this program. And all of a sudden, our TV, which was only able to turn uh, the dial uh, to 13 spots, became simply a projector because now this fancy new box with with bright illuminated L, um, LED lighting sat on top of it with all of these different channels that lived in these different constellations of the sky. And it was an amazing thing for me. But what it did was, and thankfully it happened when I was a kid, it started to help me to understand and develop a, a knack and a propensity for being able to take a different view. Because Depending on how you angled uh, your satellite, you could pick up channels that you paid for, and sometimes you could pick up channels that were sending um, on unidentified arcs. And so I started learning how to be very flexible. And my grandmother would be like, you know that channel you found from this, whatever, find it again. And I was able to do that. And so we have to be able to take a different view, but not only take a different view, we have to be willing to look for the view and know that the view is there. The next thing is, is we need to make sure that just like our bodies need to remain flexible for us to have long life and a healthy life, so must our mental abilities have to be that way. In our adaptability quotient, uh, it is a, I, I think in my understanding of what I'm being faced with, it is a totality that I have to be flexible and fluid in my mental capacity, in my emotional capacity, in my physical capacity, and in my um, behavioral capacity. Um, we even have a term now called code switching, and it's a, so, a, a social construct of behaving certain ways when you're in certain conditions and environments. And it's not where you're being duplicitous or two-faced or any of that. It's just what is required to interact. And it's because we now have many different cultures and groups that we can interact with. And so you, you don't dare try to believe that Everyone behaves like you and you're just going to behave like that um, and deal with it because diplomacy is now required. And there are times when you're going to have to switch sides. You're going to have to click off of what you do in your casualness around those who are just like you to going into a formal state. And I'm saying this like this is something new to us. It 
it kind of is. And a lot of cultures outside of us already understand this because it's even embedded in their language where they not only have a male, female of a word, but then they have a formal and an informal of a word. And I guess we could say that our informal would be the slang or the colloquialisms of a word. But still, I am having to learn that I have to be more... um, how can I say it? Uh, uh, more fluid and smooth. Yeah, that's the word. And more smooth in my ability to be flexible and to make the switch. And that leads me to the next thing. It's time to switch sides when you understand that you are clotting about and you are as effective as a bull in a china shop when interacting with people. To be able to learn how and know when to switch sides is to become diplomatic. And with diplomacy, diplomacy looks like something that is not what you expect. When you try it on at first, sometimes it might feel slippery. It might feel like, oh, am I sending mixed signals? Because uh, diplomacy is very fluid. It, is, uh, it leaves stubbornness at the door. It locks it behind another door, actually. Uh, It requires that we are able to uh, be uh, not only on uh, the quote-unquote right side of an argument, but we're able to play devil's advocate and we're able to switch sides with fervor to understand that that could be the right side of an argument. So there's that. And now this part is the part that I was dealing with with the whole bra situation. And that is that learning how to switch sides means also learning how to get back out of um, the base on the base expression of ourselves that we have to realize that yes, you are probably right in your feelings. No one can tell you how to feel but you. That's that's definitely true. But then the next thing is, is that you got to learn when to switch back over to common sense and logic and be able to see other people's points of view instead of just your own. You have to learn how to stop just trumpeting what you want and how you want to feel and how you expect uh, to be treated or to uh, receive. And that was the big one for me. It was the huge, the, 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 I think the biggest aha of this wisdom smack of learning when to switch sides was this point, was that you have to know when you've gone too far over into the emotions without restraint. And you have to learn how to just switch it, how to just get to the point where you're like, ha, ah, I'm over in that cuckoo part of my brain. Let me switch back over and let me return to logic and common sense. And so <laughs> that one is the one that has been the biggest for me. And it it made me see that, yes, I talk about adaptability. But adaptability needs to continue to work on me. And so with the adaptability, I have got to always be stretching and growing, knowing, learning, and putting the finger, the thumb down on myself. And we need to do this because there are going to be times, and it might have already happened to you, and you might be like, yeah, I, I get that. We need to be so astute in whatever comes our way that we do not miss 
when a power shift has happened. Being able to switch sides lets you always know when the power has shifted, when you are no longer protected by what you have always assumed is there for your support. And when I talk about power, I am talking about the nuance of power, uh, whether it be what you think is morally just and right, or whether you believe that you are protected by a certain um, recognized power or whatever it may be. This was something I had to learn when I was in school. And uh, we went through a class that talked about the um, ethics and the morals of uh, therapy and how to understand the two as well as how to understand changing times of what is accepted and what is uh, taboo. And it started to mess with me because in my understanding of truth, knowledge, and fact, I thought that they were static, that they always were the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And it blew my mind because Depending on a situation, a circumstance, a a dispensation, a time, it might be true, but then it might not be. That is why one of the areas that I thought I was good at (laughs) was moving with the times and understanding where the true power uh, lies with regards to beliefs, Uh, morals and ethics. Uh, What might be considered perfectly ethical at one one point might be illegal at another point. What might be perfectly moral. Okay, so ethics is where it deals with the laws, the rules, and the agreed thing that a society or a group says is okay. Morals is more of that internal fortitude of of right and wrongness for you. And so where you have your ethics, your ethics, I can guarantee you they're always changing because they're changing to meet the demands of the peoples using them at that particular time. Whereas with your morals, that's an internal thing. And it is, for the most part, it's an internal thing because it can be an external group thing and it can be part of the base for how you deal with each other. Uh, Think about religions and uh, uh, the rules of engagement of their sense of right or wrong. You know, so that's where morality can come in. You even have companies that will have morality clauses for different levels of people in their organization, whereas um, a base level person might not get fired for having um, an adulterous affair. A senior manager would, you know, so that that's to help and and understanding when times are changing for that will help because if you don't, you become rigid. And I'm going to tell you, the rigid are the ones who get cut down. The rigid are the ones who break. The rigid are the ones who get annihilated and turned in and splintered because they're unable to make this move. And I want to ask this question before we close it, close it out for today. And that is, are you too dated to matter? Are you too dated to matter? That is one of the the litmus tests I have for myself. And I'll tell you, that was part of the process when I was thinking about my inability to let it go with these bras. I mean, come on, even that show Frozen said, let it go. And I wasn't listening to the little girl. So I had to face myself and I was like, you know what? 
I'm too dated to matter because they don't matter. They are not going back. They are they they even changed their name to have the word modern in it. And that should let me know that times have moved, the power has shifted, and I need to get with it. And only when I got to that point, I was able to start looking for uh Thing, uh, n- new companies to meet my needs. Now, I'm going to go on and tell you, I, the part I didn't say earlier was that the new company, they still don't make the the undergarment the way I, I would like, but they have some newer technology and I do get the same experience that I had from the others that made me like those so much. And so, yes, I was able to stretch, grow, and even change sides. Um, But it got to the point where I had to start to see myself, see different views, and be a little more uh, adaptable. I'm trying to be a lot more adaptable, you guys. I really am, because I don't want to be too dated. I don't want to be too rigid, and I don't want this to happen to you. And thinking about too dated to matter... You have to know when to change uh, the tattered, the worn out, the uh, antiquated. Don't get stuck. That was a thing that I was on the verge of getting stuck. Just because I like something and it works for me, it might not be that it's the only thing for me. It might just be that there is something that that company or whatever could not ever um, could not ever continue to, not ever, but could not continue to give me. And thus, this was life's way of pushing me forward to continue to get what I know I like out of a product, out of a situation or a circumstance. And so I'm very thankful in hindsight that I was able to find these. Now, I don't like the price, I'll tell you that much, but I do like the experience of them. And I would not have been forced to find that had my other company been giving me the same thing that I was used to. And that's, and that also says, don't get too too comfortable with something. If you've had something for a while, you get comfortable, you take it for granted, and you don't stay sharp. Whether that be with an item, a product, a service, a people, or even a relationship. Don't get too comfortable. Um, One of the things that I've always uh, had to remember when interacting with people, whether it be clients, my books or something, don't take those who know you the best for granted. And that's what happens when we don't stay sharp, when we don't stay adaptable. You have to, in within yourself, be willing to switch sides. Switch sides. Mix it up. One of the fastest things that will get you out there in a bad way is to become boring, predictable, and um, uh, close-minded to trying new things, behaving new ways. You know, there is something about being solid, but there is another thing about taking that solidness and mixing it up with some variety. And there has to become a point when you have to be able to, on site, (laughs) on spot, be able to recognize that you've stopped being flexible. Even your body requires the ability to remain flexible. I uh, uh, really like uh, the story of the the guy, uh, David uh, G- Goggins, of how not 
how he lived his life to, and he's still alive, you guys. I'm, he's young. I'm not trying to say the man is old or dead. I'm just saying of how he lived uh, this life where constantly he had to learn how to switch sides, how to mix it up and how to be what the time required. And he had um, ran all of these ultra marathons and become a Navy SEAL, a Ranger and all of this only to find out that his body was so stiff that it was causing him to not be able to perform at his best and where he used to think that that was for girls or for something, he now incorporates uh, a, a large amount of his day and his time to stretching his body to become flexible. And I was like, if this guy, this ultra alpha male guy can learn how to switch sides to understand that it's not just about strength, it's also about movement and flexibility, I can I can learn how to switch sides. And so that was one of the things that I loved about uh, learning about his story. And I'll um, I'll put his book in, in the show notes as well. And it's called uh, you, uh, Can't Hurt Me. And so he's a great example of learning when to switch sides. And I'm just thankful that I had this whole fiasco, this whole uh, hate little dance, um, turning my world upside down with the with the bra moment to understand that even though I thought I was adaptable and flexible it showed me so many areas that I wasn't so guess what yep my time is up let me let me hurry up and give you guys some recaps on this so I can let you go back to your day and that is when it, you you know it's time to switch sides when you're faced with the fact that you have to let certain things go, whether it be a person, a plan, um, a place, a product, or even a way of thinking. Learn when it's time to let go. And to let go, it might you might go through a process, but you will have to get to a point where it just becomes a pronouncement. And you say, I'm done. And you move on. And then Turning pro, we talked about Stephen Pressfield and how he did, he said more of the same, that when you're at that moment, you don't try to wait for the, the winds to be right. You don't try to wait for the muse to show up to give you permission. If it's that time, that moment, you do what you need to. And that is how you switch sides. You just do it. Boom. It's it's not a let me slide into it. It's, it's, it's not that. It is an on and off kind of switch. Also, being able to learn how to, to take different views of something so that you do remain flexible and you do remain open to more possibility. And it can be hard because we have to be flexible not only in our minds and bodies, but we have to be flexible in what is morally and ethically um, advantageous for us based on diplomacy, based on what the times call for, and based on what we as a, a people need to do, because it's not just all about us. And that leads to understanding when you've gone too far off into the emotions and the uh, the baseline of your passions and desires and know when it's time to switch back to your logic and common sense so that you can uh, remain uh, very open to investigating what's new and what's now and what's next. And I know we covered a lot, but I just want to make sure that as part of learning how to switch sides, ask yourself these questions. Are you too dated to matter? 
Have what your world looks like become tattered, used, and old? Is it time to update? Don't get don't don't get stuck. And the next thing is is make sure that you're able to recognize when you've stopped being flexible. And when you recognize it at that point, don't go past go. Stop right there and do what you need to. Even a Navy SEAL, Marine, um, Ranger, I almost said Power Ranger, y'all, but, but Ranger, <laughs> Army Ranger, he had to recognize that he had to pay attention to his flexibility as much as his power and endurance. And so guess what? Yes, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiver, your practical priestess, with another podcast episode of Wisdom Smack. And just for, just remember, there are going to be times where you need to switch sides and it's not going to be evident. But with these wisdom smacks and you continuing to grow yourself, you're going to learn how to use all those intelligences uh, to, to come in and help you become very adaptable. So thank you. Don't forget to check the show notes for the books mentioned. And you guys, thank you so much for using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ for all of your Amazon shopping. We appreciate it. And thank you for supporting the show. I am going to have to see you later. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, Please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.